Hello and welcome to The Song Inside, where we go inside people's stories to discover their songs. I'm your host, Deidre Rodman-Struck, piano goddess and song goddess, and I'll be walking people through this journey to find the songs hidden within themselves. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the song inside. Ooh, I have a low voice today. Oh, hang on. That's, that's my that's my phone saying. Guess what? It's time to have your interview with Anna Dagmar. So I just turned my phone off because I'm on with Anna We're Dagmar. Hello, Anna. <laughs> Hello, Deidre. Good to see you. Great to see you too. Uh, I was trying to think of the last time I actually saw you, and I don't know the answer to that question. Do you remember the last time we saw each other? I mean, we're all in a time warp at this point, aren't we? Yeah. My daughter today was saying something about how she feels like 2021 never happened because it's going to be 2022, and it still kind of feels like 2020, but maybe it was 2020 that never happened. I don't know. I think it's almost like a, a time capsule in Google Photos is what it is. For me, anyway, I'm like, it, it did happen, right? And then I get Google Maps updates, and it's like, you went nowhere. <laughs> you went zero miles. Like, thank you. Thanks for letting zero me Zero miles. Oh, my gosh. Well, what have you been doing during all this time? I've been recording. Um, I've been momming. Yeah, so um, tell me about the momming. <laughs> Um, the momming has been good. You know, it was a little rough going in the beginning of remote learning. Now my kiddo, Eloise, she's seven. She's, um, back in, in, um, school. So that's helpful. I get like five hours to talk to you. Um, right. And do you feel like, I feel like when school started the first couple of days that my kids were actually out of the house, it felt very weird. I was like, I this, I, this like can't be, around. it's like, this can't be real. This can't actually be true. I don't trust it. You know? No, check it out. It wasn't real because my daughter like had a cough that wasn't oh, COVID no. and got sent home. <laughs> I was like, no, <laughs> but I mean, it's just, they have to be so careful. So I had to like, keep getting her tested at the lab, but she's fine. You know, it's just like the kids always had coughs and colds. Remember? Yeah. That I kind of like feel like <laughs> the new normal is, so I have a middle schooler and a fourth grader and they go to obviously different schools. So yesterday I got a message from each of their schools saying there was a positive case in the school. But, you know, close contacts were all contacted and luckily my kids weren't two of them. But this just feels like the the new way it's going to be now. I used to be like, oh, somebody in the school has it or somebody in the class has it. And now it's like, okay, well, my kids are vaccinated and nobody – they didn't have close contacts, so shrug. You know, it's yeah, like, same. I mean, we, we also have, have had like one case or I think it's been varied a lot between different schools, but they let you know right away and then, you know. It's not, yeah, they keep track of it. it seems yeah, like. it's like, well, so. I guess this is just how it's going to be, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been recording. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, during the summer, actually, I was in Western Mass, and my husband's grandfather built a cottage there years ago, like in the 40s. Oh, I already and have so- FOMO. I have FOMO already. 
<laughs> just hearing well, you, you talk come. about it. You have to come. Okay. I'll, I have to send you pictures and stuff because what ended up happening was we spent longer there than normal. And it's not winterized, but we tried to, like, stay there whenever we were remote learning when it wasn't too cold. Um, it's just it's just a wood stove, you know. It's, it's right. pretty rustic. Um, but we, what, what happened was, um, I started doing some recording up there, just not on a piano on like a Roland keyboard doing like MIDI, like working MIDI is like for anyone that doesn't know, that's like a digital way of recording music. Um, and I, I use a program called logic. So I was making like piano tracks of my songs that weren't on an acoustic piano, um, and then other musicians, I mean, as you know, we've all been apart. So I, I sent these tracks off to Ben Whitman, who is my longtime producer and drummer, um, and now lives in Toronto. And um, he used those tracks, and he, he overdubbed drums. And then um, basically I took his drum parts as karaoke Ben into um, Bunker Studio in Brooklyn. Oh, nice. Um, I don't know if you've been there before, but um, it's really a nice space. And I felt like at that point, me and Richard, my bass player, could could be safe, like to, yeah. to be in a studio where it's like they were really careful with protocols and stuff. So we have now recorded the bass um, and actual piano. Wow. So like I had used that MIDI piano as like a guide. Yeah. These are five so- five songs that I've been waiting to record that I'm planning to release as singles. Ooh. Um, and yeah. That's so, so exciting. Um, I've always yeah. wanted to go to the bunker. In fact, um, my girls and I were watching this Netflix movie, Mixtape. Uh-huh. Which is a lot about – it's about, you know, a girl. Anyway, I won't give you the whole thing, but she finds – I've heard of it. Yeah. So it's about the 80s, essentially. But the music is really cool, and it was recorded at the bunker. It made me happy yeah. to see – Well, you know, that's got to be pretty close to – yeah, it's like down um, – it's actually in Williamsburg. I guess it's kind of in – I used to live in that area. I used to live in Greenpoint. Um, and it's beautiful. And so, yeah, I love it. I love that studio, and we the piano is fantastic. You would love it. Um, for anyone just know, obviously we are both piano players yeah. and, um, and like, we're kind of coming from a similar, um, background and training. And like, so we just, I think we would probably see eye to eye about the amazingness of that piano. <laughs> I think we probably would. That made me already happy. I, yeah. And also like, I have a few studios that I default to. They're smaller and they're friends of mine and they're, they're totally great. But I feel like for my next project, I wanted to go someplace a little bit different. Yeah, that piano um is it's um it's owned by James Carney. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know him. He's Isn't also he a, a piano tuner. He's a piano tuner and jazz pianist and composer. I played some of his music long ago like back when I was at Eastman. Um and yeah, a beautiful composer like beautiful compositions, instrumental stuff. Um, And so he takes care of it. So it's constantly tuned. And um, the other thing I recorded down there a few weeks after that, I recorded string arrangements that I had written like to go with these songs. So I had um, Sarah Caswell on violin and Joyce Heyman on violin also. And then um, Jody Redditch on cello and Lois Martin on viola. So kind of, just an amazing group of women. Wow. Musicians. I love that. Um, and I wrote all their parts, you know, like, I mean, it took, um, it took doing of like kind of editing, changing stuff. Um, and then being in the moment, rehearsing with them a little bit, we did this like spaced out rehearsal at my apartment <laughs> where everybody was like in their own corner and, like, touch anyone. and I had all the windows open. It was like freezing cold. No, it was actually not that cold, but, um, 
but I've known them for a while. Um, and it's just been a while since we've actually made music. Yes. So that, that ended up being also an in-person session oh, man. Um, that we did in October. So now I'm like, you know, kind of like working through the phases of getting these songs done. That's really exciting. I One of the things I was thinking about when I was listening to your oeuvre yesterday <laughs> was I really <laughs> love and admire your arrangement skills and also that you have a sound in your head and that you find a way to get that onto your recordings because it's not easy to have full arrangements with strings or with brass or you know to sort of realize those sounds and I was like wow yeah, I, I love, love the production the yeah thank you well the production too I I owe so much to Ben Whitman in terms of you know he was the one I sought out because he he did the early Jonathan Brooke and the story albums mm, oh my gosh and like when, when I moved to New York I was like I need to find this guy yeah um and I basically stalked him um <laughs> and I mean I went to like all his gigs and I was like it's me again um that's amazing <laughs> you know what I mean? I really want to work with him because his production style, there's everything is there for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. there's no, nothing wasted, no bells yes. and whistles for no reason. Um, and through him, I met um, Mark Schulman who plays guitar with me and he's also overdubbing parts on this right now. He has his own studio now. Um, and so he's, everybody's like mostly working remotely except for the things that had to be acoustic yeah. had to be live. And as far as the arrangements also, um, I did a lot of um, like orchestration lessons with Michael Patterson, who's like Ooh. a film score composer and a Hollywood kind of guy. But he lived he lives in New York at the time, um, and and still like kind of comes in and out of New York yeah. a lot. Um, so I've I've like continued to try to like work on how can I make the strings different from the piano, like how can right. I not just write the piano part again? <laughs> well, and I it's funny. I feel like I saw you. Didn't we see each other at the BMI audition? Yes, yes, we saw each totally. other at the. So I was very pregnant at the time yes, with Clover, yes. and yeah, awesome. that was such an interesting experience for me. I may have told this story on the podcast before, but basically, I did it because it just seemed like a good thing to do at the time. I didn't really know what I was doing, or and so I I had brought a few songs, and I played them and. I just feel like everybody there like knew who everyone on the the jury was and the whole history of it and had like was super into musical theater. And I had just done it because I thought, well, after I have a kid, I think oh, – I'm sorry, my cat's uh, hitting the microphone. <clears throat> after I have, you know, this baby number two, I want something to help keep me focused, which is kind of hilarious because I should have learned with baby number one. It's like, I'm going to learn how to program my synthesizer while the baby's sleeping. It's like, yeah, that never happened and still hasn't happened. It's like, well, uh, while baby number two is sleeping, I'll just do the BMI workshop. You know, it's like super intense. And I went in there and played my songs and they said, well, these sound kind of jazzy. And I said, okay. And they said, why do you want to do this? And Probably for the first time in my life, I was I I was speechless. I did not know what to say because I did not know what I was doing, and I honestly didn't know why I was there. <laughs> and yeah, I and I you- said I don't know. And then you came in. You had like background singers, and you you know had this whole thing worked out. And I thought I am in the wrong place. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, the BMI workshop is, is a little different, but I, I did have, um, I guess, friends who had done it. So that 
God just get, had given me the idea that maybe it would be a good idea to write a very show tuney example, but the other songs that I included were much more coming from like singer songwriter realm. Um, so, I mean, I think with that program also, it can take a number of times if someone wants to do it. Um, and it's so much about collaboration because there's no way I'd want to be a lyricist in there. Oh my gosh. Like that is yeah. not the type of lyrics that I really write. So, yeah. um, but I was happy to collaborate with people yeah. who really do musical theater lyrics because there's so much patter involved. There's so much like comedy involved. Yeah. I mean, like, I think the I great can't... thing about BMI is that it, it is you learn how to do it and it's very specific and you're going through the history of it and there, there are lots of rules, you know, which I think it's good because you learn the rules and then you can do whatever you want about the rules. But yeah, it seems pretty yeah. intense. But, you know, don't rule it out if it's something you want to do in the future. Um, and, I mean, I, I, I still remain in contact with a lot of them. Although, since having a baby, I mean, really, even for me, like, I, even though I was already doing it before I had Eloise, I mean, can I tell you, like, it's, it's okay to, like, go, like, slightly personal? Oh, please. I mean, I, we we love personal here. Okay. Because, like, there was one time, I, I mean, I was still trying to go to the meetings, but I had to, like, pump breast milk. Mm-hmm. Like, I had, there was no lactation room there, you know? Like, I yeah. had to go, you know, and I'm just saying, these are the practicalities of being a mother of a newborn that people don't always think about in these settings. They think about it more in, like, work environments now, but it was so hard. It was so stressful, and I stopped being being able to go every week because it's it's something you're doing to learn you're not doing it to make money right right you know yeah way or ever <laughs> like, <laughs> so you're kind of like I'm setting aside my whole afternoon to go to something right. that's really amazing but meanwhile what do I do with the baby yeah. how do I make sure mm-hmm. the baby's cared for right um and so it was very hard they've done more things on zoom during the pandemic and I think that's right. one of the silver linings yeah um you know they've had events and like meetings and workshops and stuff that and I do that as well as Maestra and how, which is right I in. just joined them which is such a great Yay! organization oh my god Gosh, this is going to be amazing to have I, you in there. I love you it. You should be on Meister Moms because oh like my god, I was going to say, is there a Meister moms, moms group? There's yes, Meister Moms. Oh totally my god, is. yes, yes, and I love it. it's like multi generational. Oh. Like it's it's so like you're going to love it. And so I think these things for us as as mothers as, as musicians, there really are resources. There really are other people making it happen. But that's good, and it is be... also really important to talk about because you know even working at at Carnegie being a teaching artist there for a while, I was one of the only moms in the lullaby group, which Mm -hmm. is what we do. We work with moms, but I think when there aren't a lot of moms, sometimes it's easy to forget like, Oh, well you can just come last minute to this thing. It's like, well, I have to work out childcare and figure this stuff. And it's not that they're not accommodating. It's just that they maybe haven't thought of it before. Like it takes somebody saying, Hey, could you think about, this (laughs) this <laughs> or For even sure. re- rehearsing and stuff like I remember I had a rehearsal right after Mirabelle was born I kind of just jumped right into stuff I wore her in the sling and I took her everywhere and I was rehearsing for this gig at La Poisson Rouge and it was a really large ensemble and I got to the rehearsal and these are super cool people but I was the first one of our group to have a baby and it was a long rehearsal and they were just kind of goofing around and it was starting late and I finally had to say, hey, like I I haven't – it's like an hourglass and the sand is slipping through until I have to go because she's sleeping right now and I'm going to need to breastfeed her and like do all these things. And like I hate to be a downer, but I can't just sit around chit-chatting. Like I actually need to rehearse 
And it was almost yes. like they didn't even notice that I had this baby with me. And I think some of them are like, well, just go to sitter. I'm like, okay, well, she's five weeks old. I really want no, to do this yeah. gig. And also no. it's none of your business. And also just be cool. Just be cool. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there's also the Parent Artist Advocacy League. I think I'm saying that right. P-A-A-L that I didn't even know about except through Maestra. Um, So there are these supports that are out there because other people um, have encountered this and then found it hard to like stay in the profession um, and and to be able to apply for jobs and like audition for things and do things. And um, so I think it's really important. I mean, that said, the pandemic kind of put most people on hold to some degree. Um, but that was why I turned to recording during this time because I was like, well, what can I do? And Eloise would give me limited amounts of time where she could kind of entertain herself. Um, plus, I kind of involved her in the process. Like, awesome. well, what I did today or like, you know, um, you know, and ask her, I would ask her opinion about stuff, <laughs> you know, so she felt really important. Yeah. Is. And, you know, I don't know. So those things have have, have helped. Um, what are we going to do? Onward exactly. And upward, right. Onward and yeah. upward. I think the pandemic was equalizing for a lot of us because we had to find ways to do things. And I also feel like it was it was even equalizing for my kids. My mm-hmm. daughter started middle school and the first year of her middle school, everybody was going through the pandemic and was hybrid. And, you know, the fir- I, I remember my first year of middle school was not fun. <laughs> No, I'm like, like, please, I would have loved to be home and not be in school for Well, they were home and then she started (laughs) going hybrid, but then that meant that everybody was kind of in the same league. And so Uh, her first year, there weren't really any clicks or anything like that. They were just kind of going through this thing together. And now it's in her second year. She's in seventh grade and it's still kind of bonded them. So I feel like she's gotten to skip a lot of that, like, crazy nonsense drama yeah tra- yes thank you trauma drama. like yeah i mean trying to find a group of friends like it, well that's actually really cool i hadn't yeah. heard that kind of perspective before that's really interesting because i've talked to more high schoolers than oh, middle yeah. schoolers at oh, this boy. time so yeah For high schoolers they really feel the loss you know at yeah. least the ones i've talked to i've had are you teaching that- um, just a little bit. Yeah. I have five students. They're mostly adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have one high schooler in that five. Okay. So, um, you know, he, um, yeah, I mean, has expressed that loneliness and, yeah. um, I mean, he's so glad to be back in person. He's actually a senior now. So, oh wow. um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. His whole junior year was, was remote. Crazy. Um, yeah. So you went to <laughs> Eastman. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Chelmsford, Massachusetts, which is um, north of Boston. I was born in England, um, but obviously lost my accent. I can do it a bit, though, but I don't know which one it is. It's not that one. <laughs> I, have, I have, like, a bunch of wrong English accents that are not the one I would have had. Um, but we moved over when I was six. We moved to Virginia, and then when I was seven, we moved to Massachusetts. I pretty much grew up in Massachusetts yeah. and then went to Eastman. Right. Massachusetts sounds like a nice place to grow up. It was pretty cool. I got to say, like, I mean, yeah, it was just like a medium-sized town. I'm surprised you didn't go to school in Boston. There's so many music schools there. I definitely applied to NEC. I mean, I, my teacher, just in my senior year of high school, I did like, um, extension lessons or something on Saturday at NEC. Um, and that guy, he, he taught at NEC, but then he ended up going out to UC Berkeley. So, um, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it all was shifting at that time. And he was an Eastman alum. So I knew about Eastman. And then I was interested in that more quiet environment, like a city yeah. that 
I was interested in Rochester because it was boring <laughs> and not exciting like Boston or New York. And I yeah. felt like if I could go there, I could concentrate. I kind of um, that's why I went to North Texas. I feel like there were so many musicians oh. there, but I knew that it was a small town. You know, I was kind of right. familiar with it being a small town. Although if I had gone to the East Coast, I think I probably would have gone to Eastman. It just feels like it kind of fit with my personality. And I've met so many cool people from there, including you. <laughs> and Chris Vadalaro, right? Because yes. that's how I first met you is through yeah. Chris Vadalaro. And I met him Lennon. at Banff Jazz Camp. Yes. Jazz yes, Camp. No. Chris Jazz, Jazz Camp. Camp. I never got to go. I still want to go to Banff Jazz Camp. <laughs> Am you I too what? old? No, I went... Um, I don't remember how long ago now, but they have – you can do a residency, which is awesome because – Can we go be roommates? Oh, my Let's God. Go that would be amazing. We'll sleepover parties. I went to a composing weekend where it was more like – I think it might have been a week, actually, that I went back. Um, But I – and I don't remember who the teacher is, so I'm not going to out whoever it was. But I walked, <laughs> I walked in. I was probably in my 30s at this point to this composing residency and it was a man and he was very mansplainy and the whole time he was talking about well first off I'll just back up and say that I went there because I want I was interested in learning some orchestration stuff and just some different compositional to try stuff and his whole thing was the golden mean and wavelengths and the ratio, the ratio. Okay. and he had this huge paper on it and every day we would go in and that's what he would talk about. That was all he would well, talk about. Did he write a book called Harmonic Experience? Because there Don't is a know. massive book that's like really? this big that's all about the ratio. Ooh, do you know like who the author is? Mono chords or something that you plot. I wonder and then who you the author it is. Into... I don't know. I'll find out. But it might be the same person. It might be the same <laughs> person. There's but something to be said for that, but it's very There's definitely something to be said for that, but it wasn't like I was going there for – the ratio, you know, I wasn't. Wait, was it Pythagoras? Was Pythagoras the teacher? <laughs> you know, Pythagoras, the magician. That's so funny. Um, but you didn't realize you've been transported. It's so back funny. At this point, I had had enough therapy. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot on this episode. But anyway, at this time, I'd had enough therapy that I was sitting in this room and I was so irritated. And at lunch, people would talk about like, well, I really hope we don't do that again today. And But they were just kind of accepting of it. And by the third day, I got up and I went up to the teacher and I, I said, can I see you outside? And I, he came out and I said, please don't take this personally. I can't stay here. Like I have to – I'm leaving. <laughs> like I can't do this anymore. This is not what I came here for. And I spent the rest of the week in the little practice huts – yeah. Just writing. Yeah. And I loved that I felt in control of my own life enough to be able to say, no, this is yeah. not working for me. Because in the past, I had, would just stay. Exactly. And be miserable. Think, and so many people were miserable and they were like, oh, I can't believe you left. And then well, it's it, not like you're being graded in that situation, right? It's right. Like a different dynamic at that point. You're yeah. I mean, because, and it's your time. Yeah. So, and when the concert yeah. came around, he gave – I was the only person who he gave two pieces. He's like, you can do two pieces on the concert. And I was like, wow, he actually respects me because I did that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's actually good to like kind of set your boundaries that way. Yeah. And, Assert yourself that way, especially as an adult, adult where we have really limited time. 
Yeah, and um, you pay money, you fly out there and Yeah. You know, you're yeah. really there, you're so excited, you want to collaborate with other artists, you want to write. But anyway, that was that was a long um story. Basically, Banff is amazing and there you definitely can go back. And I've always wanted to go back, so we should go back be roommates. Let's be roommates. And there's Yay. probably like soft serve like ice cream in the dining room and yes. like, you know, and there's like, like elk that come up to the there's Steinways <laughs> in the practice hut. Oh, it's elk? amazing. Okay. Yeah, there's it's in the woods. It's amazing. The mountains. <laughs> <sighs> well, I wanna um play us I want gonna play your surprise song first. Okay. Sometimes I play the song that you choose first, but today I'm gonna play your surprise song first. All right, I, I'm going to be surprised. You are going to be surprised. So the song I picked was Satellite because every time I hear this song, at first I'm like, who is this? It comes on my Spotify. I'm like, this is really good. Who is this? Oh, it's Anna. Oh, it's Satellite. I love it so much. Aww. So I want to listen to it. But first, tell me a little bit about this whole album and about the song. Okay. Satellite uh, is, is an album from 2012. It took me about three years to create that album from, you know, pencil to paper to actually having it done. Um, and Satellite itself is the title track because it really, it really like gives, um, gives an idea of my upbringing and my family and how that's, um, how my worldview has just evolved, you know, over time. So it talks about my parents, it talks about me and my brother, but it's trying to take a larger view of how a person can have um, spiritual beliefs and embrace science. <laughs> so there's, there's really that um, kind of conflict in the song going on between like how did the world begin um to what does that mean for me moving forward as a person what matters to me um and what drives me and so that's that, that's a bit to give the the background about satellite there is a music video that goes with Ooh, it also okay um, i will and, link to that yeah and the video shows um dancers that are lit up in in um ballet dresses mm -hmm. and it's in a dark space and they're they are like the satellites going mm -hmm. around me at the piano and they have cameras on them, um, which was the director's idea, Mitch Jacobson. So they're actually filming as they dance and you get this like satellite view also. Um, and the video is like integrating all of these different cameras they are called GoPro cameras. They're movement cameras. Um, so it's a really neat, neat effect that speaks to that um, larger idea of the song. Awesome. Okay. Let's listen to satellite. Seven days and seven nights Hands of clay and breath of life In the garden stands the tree And a woman scorned Secrets burning in the dark Fractured stars and scattered light Spinning out a memory As a planet's born are we the sum of all we've chosen to believe? Can I be somewhere in between? I was raised by a man of reason In the elegance of truth Who plays with math like music And yearns for proof So he comes the ground for a path 
And he scours the sky And his kindness grows The more he knows Humble by the fly
So thanks for choosing that song. <laughs> oh, thanks for writing this song. I, <laughs> I love. Mean, yeah, oh, I have to I have to gush for a moment. Um, which I guess is what I normally do, but I can't help myself. Um, I love your voice. It's so clear. I've always been really enamored of your voice. <laughs> It's, oh, it's thank like, you so much. That means a lot, believe me, because, um, I mean, I, I find singing really difficult um, compared to playing piano. And I have worked over the years with Theo Blackman um, for, for singing and also Tina Schaefer. In fact, mm-hmm. Tina worked with me a lot leading up to this. She's the one, she's the woman who runs the New York Songwriter Circle um, at the bitter end. And I've known her for years. I taught her kids piano also. Um, and uh, Theo Blackman, too. I mean, just working on my vocal skills because my music is kind of hard to sing yeah um (laughs) this one uh, started to flow after a while you know and it's mostly in that speaking range but um but I I continue to I continue to you know be challenged sometimes by singing and um I feel like you and I have a lot of similarities about (laughs) us because I also I feel like we have similar sensibilities when it comes to playing the piano and the harmonies that we choose I really resonate with a lot of that and I mean, I've always considered myself a pianist first and for, for a long time just didn't want to sing because I thought, well, there's other people that are amazing. And so what am I doing? And um, I resonate with that. Yeah. No, I think I think you and I do have a lot in common that way. And I know from back when I subbed for you in the biddies and I had to learn all the biddies, <laughs> yes. stuff, you know, uh, I mean, some of those are standards, but a lot of them were originals. And, um, and, you know, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, I, I understand where this music is coming from. This is kind of my yeah. world, too. And um, yeah, singing, sometimes I'll write songs that I'm like, why did I do this to myself? There's nowhere to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is what it is. I think it's it's a lifelong process. I try yeah. to think about most things that way in fact in even in the lyrics in the song I was reflecting just right. now that when I talk about my father it's saying he's always searching he's always looking and um he's always trying to gather more in life and that that I think is something that I really learned from my dad mm-hmm. but you don't have to just be okay I can either master something or not it's you're right. going to be continuing to try to master it your whole life <laughs> exactly so your dad had the reason and your mom had the sort of spiritual thing yeah, they're very different in terms of their belief systems. You know, my father is a philosophy guy. He studied with Karl Popper. He has his PhD. He's like um, very into Aristotle and, you know, very um, – he's a mathematician, this sort of thing. He probably would have um, liked that class at Banff. Yes, exactly. Oh, definitely. That was his class. Um, and it's interesting because I take after him in a lot of ways. I was I loved learning math. That was my favorite subject outside of music. He helped me with a lot of math growing up. Um but yeah, my mother uh, comes from a background of, I mean, going back in her ancestry, there were missionaries in her family. She had evangelical Christians in her family, although eventually she kind of moved away from that sort of side of Christianity into a more progressive um, Episcopal practice. Um, and, um, you know, she's just stayed very active in the Episcopal church. And, you know, she's she's a believer and she's um, someone who makes time for that in her life. Um, and that really guides her. And so they, they don't have that in common. Um, they don't have that common language. And yet, um, you know, they're quite compatible. Mm-hmm. So that was the that was the family um, environment when I was growing up. Right. I love the drums in that song. They really add so much, especially I love when it drops out and then it, you know, you don't hear that that often where it's like, dun, 
dun dun. You know that kind of towards the end. I love it so much because it just makes me think of the galaxy. And maybe it's because we were talking about the golden mean and music of the spheres, but it really did make me think of. Well, we should like put it up against the ratio to see what that point happens. Is that like two thirds of the way through? Because Uh, yeah, I think um, so. I mean, what the way that song is designed at the beginning, the intro and the, and the ending section just before the outro chorus Mm -hmm. are kind of the frame of the song. Yeah. So they're, they're the, they're the area where it's more of that aerial view looking at earth, you know, and, and, and so he, Ben Whitman, master drummer and producer, you know, frames that really well yeah. in how he chooses his parts. And, you know, we work together on these things. Right. I lay out the song, but as far as those specific ideas, what he's playing, those are his. Right. And, and I really, um, um, I love that you found him because I love the early, the Jonathan Brooks stuff too. I used to listen to that just for the pr- production. Because there'd yeah. be layers, but it was never too much. And the songs always seemed to build at the exact right time that you felt it. And, yeah. and then I saw her live and it wasn't the same. I think I was missing that sound that she had during the recordings. So I think it's amazing that you sort of were like, I want this person. And you made it happen. That's really inspiring. It's New York. It was like my New York attitude. I almost feel I had that attitude more in my 20s, you know, like yeah. I was like, I'm here for a reason. Yeah. You know, and I sought <laughs> after this guy. I mean, there were other things that had going on, but that was definitely top of the list of one of the things mm-hmm. I was hoping um, to make. And really, I connected with him in the end by Theo Blackman. Yeah. Because they had worked together. Um, so it all it all ends up connect, connecting the dots. You yeah. Know? It's, um, it's a and- good reminder of being young and in New York because I had people too where – you know, I had met Tony Malaby at Banff and then I, I said, you're in my quintet now. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but that's that's happening. And yeah, that's the way it is. <laughs> that's the way it is. I went and saw him and it happened. And I, I feel like a lot of kids around the country who are in these colleges and admiring all these people, it's there can be this sort of hero worship thing where the person feels very removed. Mm. But then if you're here and you're in a scene and they're just hanging out where you're hanging out and we're all trying to do the same thing. People well, are, like you've done some work with Steve Swallow, is that right? I remember. Yeah, that was another thing. I just was like, yeah, I want this to happen. But people are generally like, what do you have to lose by asking, really? Yeah, you have you have everything to gain yeah. um, if they say yes. And, and even if they don't immediately say yes, because it did take about a year, I remember, mm-hmm. in trying to get Ben to really like consider in like, right. taking on another artist and you know he's he he doesn't have so much time to yeah. work with many many different you know songwriters mm-hmm. and things like that so um yeah it took time and even you know when he moved to Canada I thought well maybe I'm going to lose this um, right. collaboration but we, we've now kind of adapted our methods so we're basically co-producing the next batch of songs and um you know I'm I'm relying on him heavily for certain technical things you know but we're right. in dialogue and I I know more now than I did in those days right it makes me think that um it's probably time for me to do another round of write in my journal and make a new list of what who who are people that are that are out there that I still want to work with you know, just mm-hmm. every now and then it, it's probably a good idea to rethink about those things because life is short, as we've learned. <laughs> it is. Yeah. No, it is. And I mean, all that said, too, I think something I've been trying to balance at this time is saying, but also just be patient, yeah. too, because it's going to take a little longer. You know, I have a kid. I It's a pandemic, you know, so it's like it's like a fine balance, I think, between 
feeling like I want to do something and then knowing that it takes time to make it happen under all of these circumstances. So it's right. like, you know, it's a, it's a balance. For sure. And also if it doesn't work out with one particular person, I think there's something to be said for trying, but maybe, but also to being open to, well, maybe that door like isn't opening and maybe it's because it's just not the right door right now. So mm-hmm. 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 I'm trying to think of how to explain this, but when you have in your mind a certain thing and, and you want, you're like trying to pound the square peg in the round hole and it's not working. Like, no, but I want to do it this way. When really over here is something that might be way better, but it's just, it's hard to see with the tunnel vision. So I think both can be true. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it makes sense. I, I think I'm thinking about like, you know, I, I was a sub on waitress mm-hmm. right before, I guess this was, the year before the pandemic, I'm trying right. to remember, like 2017, 18. And then in 2019, I started my master's degree, and um, which is what I'm working on right now. It's chipping away extremely slowly at a master's degree. And, um, you know, I had to kind of put all that world of music directing temporarily on hold. And I did work on smaller projects. And I did this one amazing project called Antigone and Ferguson in down in Brooklyn, completely not a Broadway situation, um, more of like a forum where even in the audience, they had invited members of the homeless community to come and be able to give comments at the end and ask questions about how Antigone, the story relates Mm. to issues in today's society. Um, And especially um, issues related to incarceration um, and um, lack of equality in education, things like that. It was fascinating. I was playing piano and working with the main music director, like assisting him. And I thought, wow, this is a completely different experience I wasn't expecting to be doing. Um, It's a transitional thing, a short-term thing. Um, And yeah, you just never know. One thing has to stop maybe for whatever reasons and then something else happens. And if you stay open to it, if you think, well, let me see what this is really about, then you can really stand to, you know, have a great experience, I think, in different, different settings. Yes, absolutely. One thing I love about getting a little bit older is, I feel less of this urgency. Like I have to make it. I have to do this right now. Oh, I missed that phone call. I'm never going to get it again. Sort of like, okay, there are so many paths. I, I, I'm not an all powerful being. I cannot see all of the paths and all of the ways Likewise. things could go. If you figure out how to do that, can you let me know? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Okay. I think I'll probably write a best-selling book if I figure that okay, out. Fantastic. So. <laughs> I've you never keep... run on your mailing list. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's so easy to it, – I just it, – this is an interesting thing for me to think about, the difference between wanting and wishing and desiring something which is totally healthy and right and going for something, but then also being open if that thing – doesn't work out because there might be this other thing over here. And maybe it's not even my job to know why it's happening right then. And maybe I'll see later down the line why it was happening. I guess yeah. I'm needing to tell myself that today. Just, I don't know about you, but the past couple months, it feels like, okay, life's starting up again. Gigs are starting to come back. And there's this sense of well, what I got to get doing something again. Not as urgent as I was like in my 20s, but Still this kind of – and it's like, okay, I'm just going to keep working, 
keep staying open. It's going to be well, fine. Did you, start the, did you start the podcast during the pandemic? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's fantastic. I, I totally thought about doing that like 17 times and never did it. Like, I'm like, I'm so glad that you're doing Thank this you. podcast. Honestly, I mean, the, the reason doing. I did it was because of this other podcaster was doing this business course. And part uh-huh. of the business course was you had to try everything. Everyone in the course had to try everything. So you had to do an Instagram live. You had to, um, the, the second week we already had to offer something sort of like backwards. Like instead of doing it at the end of the course, you had to just jump in and try all these things. And some of this stuff I didn't end up doing, but the podcast I found, I loved it so much because I felt so isolated and this way I could talk to people and be mm-hmm. inspired by them and look at them. And I was really kind of um, being a hermit during the pandemic. Yeah. And I think just, I mean, you're an improviser. Yeah. And so something like where you're really having a conversation, if you think about it, that's a parallel thing. Ooh, right? we, we I like that. Yes. Yeah. I and like what you're that. doing here is like, we're going off the cuff. Like I haven't talked to you in I so know. long. It's and my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> I it's love great. it. It's great. It really, really is amazing. Well, and the other thing it got me doing again was, it sounds silly, but listening to music. I feel like my husband is much more of a fan than I am, and he's always watching music documentaries and listening to music, and I get irritated sometimes. Like, I don't understand why you don't want to watch this. Like, ah... <laughs> is he watching the Beatles one? Because John, yeah. my husband's been watching it and he's like, don't you want to sit down and see how they created like, let it be. And I'm like, I'm a little tired or I'm same. <laughs> and I started watching the first episode. I mean, I have a lot of music friends who are totally geeking out about it. I think the Beatles are amazing, obviously, but I'm going to be watching it. The first episode, the, <laughs> the first episode is really, it's a band arguing about, you know, it's like it's like we've been there a million times as musicians. Like, no, I have I think this it's idea. It's different for the non-musician. Is your yeah. husband a non-musician? It's different for non-musicians. Yeah, they're seeing it as like they've never been in that environment and had that been privy to that. Right, and, and here's and this we, amazing we, we band. Have. Yeah, where one guy's like <laughs> kind of overstepping other guys and saying, "Oh, well, let's try it this way." No, we're gonna do it. It just. I was like, oh, this just kind of makes me frustrated. It just reminds me of being in a rehearsal where everybody's annoyed at each other. I know it's the Beatles, but. One part I did sit down for the other night is when Billy Preston is brought in as a guest pianist. Mm -hmm. And how great is he? Because he, you see, he's just watching everyone. He's smiling. He's listening. He doesn't like overstep his bounds, but he actually raises their level because they have to like, they have to cooperate. They have like a a serious pro in the room who's going to like learn their tunes with them and record with them because they can't do it all live. They need another piano player. And it's just really cool to see how that changes the dynamic. Right. Um, and, and how he acts as a side person, mm-hmm, like how he mm-hmm. participates with not even a lot of yeah. words, how he participates musically and with yeah. eye contact. It's pretty cool. Exactly. And I, I feel like that's – I haven't seen that episode yet, but I have – of course, it's all over you know social media. And I feel like my music friends who've watched it, that is the piece that they mention the most. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm going to watch – the rest of it for sure. And I think there's something to be learned from watching someone who's outside of the core group come in and raise the the vibration basically exactly. and how that's a really good lesson for, it for all of us. No, it was, totally, totally. Speaking of vibrations, so I asked you to bring a song that brought you from darkness to light. 
And you picked the song Amazed, and I like this song a lot, and I want to hear your perspective on it. Okay. Um, well, the song came out of um, – there's really a, there's really a few things in the song, and it's been interpreted in a lot of ways. I feel like if you just listen to the lyric, you could interpret it in many different ways. Um, but for me personally, I was in love with a woman – and it was the first relationship I had with a woman. And I'd been having a relationship for a year without telling my family. Um, and it actually continued two years beyond that. Um, but it was about a year into that hidden relationship that I um, wrote wrote this song. And it was my kind of helping myself get up the nerve to tell my parents about her. <laughs> and um, in fact, like it was the lyrics that was the first thing I shared with them when I was trying to like have this coming out conversation. Wow. <laughs> and um, so it, it came from just like a very organic place like that. And it really was like one of those songs of coping with something I didn't quite understand because I didn't understand where the relationship was headed for me in life. Like I didn't know if mm -hmm. this might be my longtime mate or, or what I knew I loved her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the song ha has that personal background to it. And um, in the song, I really tried to feel like, how can I express why this is so painful mm. at the same time as being so beautiful? How, how can I, how can I capture both of those feelings in the song and the fear that I had um, mm. about telling my, my parents? Um, and I tried to do that. And a lot of it really came down to looking to that other person that I loved for strength mm. because she was further in that place of, of, you know, being, being out in her own, life um so so that was a lot of what the song really explored was that my love for her and also my 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 leaning on her um for that for that confidence um so that said i've played the song i've played it for gay weddings <laughs> um like i've i've been invited to like share that song in other people's um ceremonies mm -hmm. and things um so i think it, it really does it does resonate with other people that way um but it's also something i've played in a more like spiritual context i've played it at saint peter's church as part mm -hmm. of the jazz vespers and a lot of the imagery in the song because it's talking about a close relationship um if you think about it in those terms if you can like sort of separate those out for mm -hmm. a moment there's also an intimacy there right yeah. there's like a trust and intimacy and um uh, uh, encountering fear and looking for right. strength in times of fear, right? So it has a whole other side to it yeah. that can be heard that way, completely apart from, um, you know, what whether it's talking about different types of relationships. Right. Um, and then when I come full circle back to it, it makes me even more feel the validity of all loving relationships because you, you say, why do I love this person? Because I trust them because I'm not afraid mm. to be with them um, because I know I can lean on them if I'm afraid in, in the world. I love that. The validity of loving and relationships. Yes. Okay. Let's listen to Amazed. I take your body as my own. As my shelter, as my throne When I forget all this is real Afraid to live, a 
so beautiful thank you i really feel like um that needs to be an anthem for everybody right now that can only make the world better just by listening to the words of that song thank you so much i when you asked for a song that really moves from darkness to light that was the first one that came to my mind but i have to say i feel like you're the you're the first uh interview interviewer that I've really um, 
really given that much background about the song. Um, so I feel really comfortable to talk about it. I'm you really know, glad. I <laughs> I was thinking as it was playing, I, um, I'm quite emotional right now. Um, but I really appreciate your vulnerability and that it's both a blessing and a curse as an artist to pour ourselves into these words and into this music and bring about healing for other people, but also for ourselves. It's it's such a gift that you were able to write these lyrics and, and read them to your parents, but then that you're brave enough also to speak about what caused you to write them and that that could help lift someone else up. It's really brave. It's scary. Yeah, because we realize that today, I mean, we think we've made so much progress, but we have so many steps backward all the time. And um, I know what my mother said to me at the time of that going on about a week into after I had told them, my mother kind of came to me and she said, you know, in that first moment, I was really scared, but I thought, I don't want to lose my daughter. I don't want to lose her. So I'm going to find a way like to stay close to her. Wow. That's so beautiful. I mean, and this is speaking to my mother as someone who comes from a very religious background. So it was something like her, she was fiercely loving, you know, she, she didn't want to let me go, even though she couldn't understand it. And that's its own kind of bravery. That's definitely the acceptance. Yeah. I never forgot that. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's such a good lesson because especially now. I mean, as always, but especially now, families being torn apart by believing different things. And that I I love, what was the line you said something about um, in the beginning, in the first verse, something about love. It it was a metaphor. It was good. (laughs) I have the lyrics here because I was afraid I was going to with the lyrics were. I take your body as my own, as my shelter, as my throne. When I forget all this is real, afraid to live, afraid to feel. Keep going. Is that the part? Okay. No, keep going. But strength can bear the hardest face and bury doubt in the softest embrace. I'm learning to rise above all my fears, amazed by love. That's, yeah, that second part. Rise above all my fears, amazed by love. And I love that it's called amazed because it, it is amazing. It. I'm continually amazed by love. And Absolutely. Then, and it's interesting because um, I love this too about being a songwriter and that people can take the lyrics and they can – just how you said I take my bo- your body as my own. You can take a song and, and make it your own because when I first heard this, I thought about my daughters actually and mm. how when you're growing a person inside of you, you know, they're they're part of you. Wow, and, I had never thought of it that way, yeah. but it would definitely speak to that. Yeah. It's so interesting how these words can do that. Right, and I was just um, writing in my journal today. I've, you know, parenting is, is no joke as we know who are parents or even people who've <laughs> no. had parents, which is to say everyone. Um, right. And I've had one of those, it's been a hard week. It's just been a hard mm-hmm. week. Sometimes there are easy weeks in a, you know, like, this just hasn't been one of those weeks. I've been going through some interesting times with one of my girls. And what I was writing is at the end of the day, I, I am amazed. I'm amazed 
by love because that, and that's what your mom had. Like, that's the thing that you can come back to. It's like, well, there's all this other stuff going on. Things are hard. I don't know how this particular thing is going to shake out. But if I just come back to, I love you. And this love that I have is bigger than whatever's going on. And it's almost like the love can just surround us and, and, heal us if we just let it work its magic. It's so true. And you know, you were, you made me think just now, first of all, that's incredible that you thought about it in that context (laughs) of you and your daughter. Um, Now I will hear the song in another new way, which to me is just very a gift. Thank you. (laughs) I, I was thinking about satellite for a moment there because in satellite, I intentionally have a moment where I say she kneels beneath the window and speaks to God above whose quieting forgiveness feels like a mother's love. Wow. And I, was, I chose that because I wanted that unconditional quality, yes. the unconditional quality we know is a mother's love. Um, and I also think it's nice to think of God as a mother. Oh, me too. <laughs> you know, why not? Right. I so, love that. Um, yeah. It just made me think about that. And, and in a maze, something I also tried to do that, I don't know when we write songs, I don't know if we tried to do these things or we realized later we did them, but there's, there's space in the music with no words and just an instrumental moment. Yes. And that's that. That's where the song can become more open to to what people want to feel or think in that time. And yeah. satellite does that too. It has an ah chorus. Yes, the chorus is ah. I'm <laughs> glad ooh. you brought up the space because I wanted to to bring that up and that I really appreciated that in the song. And not only that, but it was the keyboard and the guitar were playing this a unison line, and so it made me think of two people coming together in this way, even though the the timbres are different, they're actually, they're on the same page at that moment. And then later the guitar takes a solo or it does more of a soloistic kind of thing. And so then, you know, the keyboard is supporting that, but then it comes back to this line where it's together, but in their own way. Does that make sense? It does. I, again, I never thought of that. <laughs> consciously but it's so true that the music arrangement works like that it can yeah. completely come together at that spot right um, and it just makes me think that different timbres different tones different religions different ways of loving it's all about just these two things can work together these two people can be together and make this beautiful sound. And I loved that a couple of times in the music. I feel like I don't hear that that often where I'm sitting with these lyrics and all of a sudden the songwriter has gifted me this moment. It's like, take this in for a minute. Just mm. just have a little breath here to listen to this beautiful melody without any lyrics so they can just sink in. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I like to have that in music. And yeah. I like how the harmony changes there, too, because it's kind of like lets you just depart for a yes. moment. And you just feel kind of just like, oh, and then it comes back. And I, I love when, when harmony does that also, mm-hmm. gives you that space. Yes, agreed. Tension and resol- resolution. 
But this is a conversation I couldn't have with just any podcaster, I just oh. want to say. Um, <laughs> it's, it's fun. I mean, it's fun that you're, because a lot of times when people talk about songs, they talk about the lyrics, but the music to me has to be of an equal, it has to have equal weight in the experience. Yes. Um, and, and that's what I strive for, you know, that's yeah. what I'm really going for. <laughs> me too. And it's it's really fun to hear the different ways people use music to enhance lyrics or lyrics to enhance music. And I I feel like you're also a very articulate, you've thought about this. There's an understanding. It's like you were saying about Ben Whitman. You don't do things lightly. There's a purpose behind them. I knew in that arrangement when that melody came in, that wasn't just, you didn't just throw it in there because you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, (laughs) there was a reason for that. And I felt the reason for that. Mm -hmm. And even in satellite, sometimes the harmonies would change slightly. It's like maybe it was, uh, it probably wasn't this exactly, but this is the example I'm thinking of. You know, you have a triad, but then maybe there's a triad and it's not over the root, it's over the third or it's over the fifth. All of a sudden it's like, oh, it's something slightly different there than it was before. And even if the listener doesn't know exactly, okay, well, that's a triad that's now over, it's in first inversion now, they they can sense somewhere in their body that something different happened there. That's real. I really believe that. I really think people, untrained ears, you know, they, they actually do feel those things subconsciously in the music. And I have to believe that because I'm always playing with those kind of things and I'm playing with how it hits me in the moment. So if I'm composing, I need like a few aha moments during the composing process where I'm like, Oh, I never tried that. Or, you know, I want want to surprise myself a little bit. Absolutely. (laughs) Tell me about the music you're working on right now. So how is it surprising you? Um, yeah, there's a, these five songs. Mercy is the is the biggest number, and and that one was originally a commissioned piece for um, the Canalis Project, which is an organization that highlights women leaders around the world. And um, I had an honoree that was selected for me to write a song um, about or for. And my honoree was Sister Marilyn Lacey. Um, she runs Mercy Beyond Borders, which is a foundation that provides education for women and girls in South Sudan and Haiti. So the song had a very, very specific, um, you know, meaning to it, had, had a specific intent. And it was premiered at um, the National Art Gallery in Washington. And I wasn't the singer. I mean, I wrote it and other people performed it, which was very cool because I got to go and listen. Kurt, Kurt Crowley was the music director. He's the music director on Hamilton. <laughs> There's a lot of people oh, coming wow. from that, that world. Um, yeah. Um, no so small potatoes. <laughs> yeah, it was so amazing. fun I, to I, sit in the audience and hear someone else do your song. I love it. So that that is the biggest piece that I'm working on recording right now. Um, I am singing my own rendition of the song, but I'm also going to have a second mix that will be with guest singers. So I'm doing like two versions of it, and it has a string arrangement. Um, is there a, is there a chorus? I feel like there needs to be like a gospel chorus. Everybody's asking me that. <laughs> I mean, this, that's definitely my dream. I don't yeah. think I have the budget. You um, know what? But- We're going to put that out to the universe right now. Let's put the vibes out there okay. because it, need, it needs a chorus. Like um, this is, I'm I'm probably gonna have three singers to start. It's written for like 
you know, basically two lead singers who tell different parts of the story mm. and then like a, a harmony line that kind of like brings it together. Um, so that's the biggest. And then the other pieces, it really runs the gamut. You know, there's love songs, there's song about my kiddo and me. Um, yeah, there's just, it's, it's, it really, I mean, similarly to my other albums, I feel like there's kind of a good mix of jazzier material as you say jazzy, jazzy. Um, and, <laughs> and more narrative kind of folk singer songwriter mm-hmm. um stuff and so, it's all got strings on it which I'm proud ooh, of because I that's just yeah. like become a very integral part of my sound so when yeah. can we hear this music I'm aiming for mercy for like late spring or early summer okay to come out i I'm, we're starting vocals in january so okay. um but you know there, there can sometimes be unexpected things happen along the way but um i i'm hopefully hopefully that's going to be the first one um and then i'm i mean ideally i'd love to release one first season um mm. so i just need to kind of see how the production schedule comes out yeah but, um it, it's it's possible that it could come true and i think as you say put the good vibes in the atmosphere because maybe that will help it stay on that that type of schedule. I'd love to release a few of them in 2022. Yes, I yeah. cannot wait. I want to hear all of these right now, but I will be I will be patient. <laughs> I will try to be patient. And everyone listening is going to be very patient. And I'll will... definitely keep you posted. Yeah. <laughs> You're um, now number one on my mailing list. Yeah. Excellent. List, so. That is amazing. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I'm going to be a best-selling author, so yes, <laughs> I remember with I my know. book about the secrets of the universe. <laughs> I'm buying a million copies just for myself. <laughs> well, my book is going to be so amazing that it's just going to exist in subatomic particles, and they're oh. going to vibrate with the spheres, so you will just inhale the book through all of your senses. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously. Um <laughs> But See, this I is um, why we need to go to Banff and have like oh summer camp sleepover time. Yeah, so we can do this well, like all night long. This, yes, this definitely <laughs> makes me want to hang out more. Though I have a nine-year-old sure. and a twelve-year-old, she's ready to babysit. So, I have a seven-year-old, so it's like seven. Exactly. Nine, <laughs> well, my is. my twelve-year-old could come babysit your seven-year-old. Exactly. She's almost thirteen. I, so, okay, you know, done. Could she uh, pick her up at two thirty every day? At school? <laughs> Could she come over today for about five hours? <laughs> oh my gosh. This has been so fun talking to you. Anna. Really, really it's fun. been really, so really, really fun. Me. Yeah. And I'm going to listen to the other episodes now because I'm, I'm like yeah. really excited to hear everybody else um, on your podcast. Please I can't do. wait to spread the word about it. <laughs> what I think is fun about it is that, well, obviously, everybody's so different and. It's just fun to hear everybody's different process because, you know, ours might be somewhat similar, but then there are people who never write lyrics or the last person I interviewed um, writes electronica, which I didn't really know anything about. And I felt like a total idiot. I'm like, well, tell me about these warehouse parties, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I would be lost. Yeah. <laughs> But that's cool. I mean, yeah, you're expanding horizons. Yeah. Well, as you said, always learning onward and upward. Yeah. And uh, we'll keep people posted about when you are going to be playing and put all of your links in there. I hope you do a huge CD release party or a single release party so yeah, we can all come. I, we'll definitely party. Okay, good. Yeah. And for everybody listening, you can find The Song Inside at thesonginside.me. You can email me at songinsidepodcast at gmail.com. And I will see everyone 
in the oral particles of the subatomic golden ratio universe next between Monday. Between the time-space continuum. Between the time-space continuum. <laughs> and until then, remember that there is a song inside everyone, including you. <laughs> <laughs>